I felt like I'd failed her. Like, you know, because the, the school, the hospital, everyone had let me down, everyone that I counted on. And I'm like, where's my support network? And what have I, you know, what have I done? Hi, I'm Lance, and this is Unsilent, a speak series by No Stigmas that champions mental health advocacy and challenges the stigmas that all too often prevent people from getting the help they need. We're so glad you're here. And in today's episode, we get to meet Erica. Now, Erica is the mother of the wonderful, wonderful Michaela, who is living with Down syndrome with a global developmental delay and is also nonverbal. They're based in the UK, and Erica is passionate about advocating for the therapies and the services for her daughter and individuals that she calls are differently able, not disabled. Throughout our entire conversation with Erica, we really dive into the intersection between mental health and the daily experiences of these differently abled individuals. Erica's advocacy celebrates all the many gifts that her daughter Michaela has to share with this world and reminds us of the value and importance of fighting for inclusivity and the mental health equity of all. And in this first part of our two-part conversation with Erica, we get to know about her, her family, her background, and even some of the experiences surrounding trauma that her family experienced in recent years. We also, of course, talk mental health and how some of these challenges may manifest in the life of those that are differently able, just like her wonderful daughter Michaela. All right. Let's dive in. Basically, my name is Erica Petrie. Um, my youngest daughter, Michaela Petrie, has Down syndrome and global developmental delay. And it is Down Syndrome Awareness Month this month, the month of October, just, just to put you in the picture. Um, uh, basically, a few years back, I nearly lost her. She developed sepsis following a bite from another child at school. And um, so we spent four days at Salisbury Hospital. Unfortunately, they didn't disinfect it properly at the local hospital. They just put it under running water is ridiculous um so we ended up in Salisbury Hospital for four days and she had everything she even had an operation under general um where they opened out the finger and cleaned it up and whatever and she had drips and and blood tests and uh um you know uh vaccines you name it she had it she had a cannula in her arm the whole time and whatever and she was such a brave little soldier I was climbing the walls but she was really brave never shed a tear and just got through it um, and uh, during that time, I um, I sort of prayed, you know, I've got a lot of faith and um, and I wrote a song putting into words what I thought she would say if she could speak because she's nonverbal. And then when she did survive, uh, I went under for a bit. I had my own mental health issues, obviously, you know, you nearly lose your child and whatever. And, uh, you know, you doubt the school and the hospital and everyone who hasn't done what they were supposed to be doing. And you think, who can I count on? Um, so I went under, I ended up in a mental hospital myself. Uh, for a while. Um, but when I came out, um, I decided that I was going to do something with the song. Um, and so we ended up putting it on a website in two versions. Um, we, we set up an awareness raising campaign for children who are differently able, like Michaela. Um, and we started raising money for different charities that supported us along the way with Michaela. Um, but now a few years down the line, we've actually got to the point where we're now an official registered charity in the UK. So we're now raising money in our own right. And we've recently launched um, a charity CD album featuring 11 original tracks on diversity and inclusion, some of them written by myself, and obviously including different, the original track that we put on the website. And when they're nonverbal and they can't really communicate like everybody else, um, you know, you... you um, <sighs> 
you don't know what to do because you don't know how to help them. And also, um, she was completely lifeless. I mean, she's full of life. She's very physically able. There's nothing she can't do on a physical level, even though she is nonverbal. Um, but she was completely lifeless in my arms, you know, and I took her to the GP and he gave her a penicillin injection, oxygen mask and put us on the ambulance. There was nothing else to do at that point, And he saved her life. Um, and uh, it was really touch and go. Um, and she was completely lifeless, you know, completely different to how she is normally. Um, and uh, she was closer to death than life, really. So that was really scary. You know, when your child is different, they don't get accepted by society in the same way. There's nothing to be done. I mean, society has improved. We've come a long way, obviously. But, um, you know, th th there aren't the same opportunities for them as everybody else. And they're not included in the same way. Um, and she started out in mainstream, but we did move her into special at one point because obviously she had a, a TA in mainstream, but she ended up spending all her time with this TA. So she was out of the class and she wasn't really integrated into the class anyway. So there, there came a point where there wasn't any point in her staying in mainstream um, and she moved to special where they can give her the life skills and the additional therapies and the support that she needs. Um, and, and she's fully integrated into a, a very small group of children of similar age and ability to herself well you know you, you don't really know when they're not well and whatever I mean obviously you can tell by the fact that they're, they're unhappy and whatever but you don't actually know you have to second guess you know what is actually wrong and whatever and you really have to look out for the signals she's very much a creature of habit and routine though so she very much responds to everything that is within her routine and she'll bring me a cup if she wants a drink and whatever um she'll indicate when she's thirsty she'll indicate when she's hungry she'll come down and sit in her chair when she knows it meets meal times um so there's certain things that are easy to interpret but yeah it's not easy um and I communicate a lot with her through music I mean music therapy is a, a vital therapy for her which is also why this whole venture has come about through music as well yeah, see it's, it's difficult to tell but sometimes she'll come to me and she's visibly frustrated or sometimes she'll give me a really 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 tight hug like more than the normal and she's like and she's screwing up her face and so you can tell that she's got this frustration and she obviously needs more uh, compression more reassurance and more sensory input and, and stuff like that so but it's difficult to tell obviously because she can't really tell me um but yeah I interpret it by seeing you know how she is really and obviously you know this whole thing has taken its impact on my mental health because I'm fighting on a daily basis to get her the support that she needs to get her the therapies that she needs and whatever it's not a given because there's never enough funding there are never enough therapists available there are never enough therapies available so it's a constant fight it's a constant battle um, and so I, I need to also obviously be careful in all this to take care of my mental health so I don't go under like I did um, years ago when she nearly when we nearly lost her yes I did I mean at university for instance I broke down I, I had a very difficult time um, I went to the university in, in the UK and in the end I ended up going back to Italy and, and carrying on my studies in Italy because it was too much for me but yeah I, I really really struggled because I found myself in a course that that wasn't really what I wanted um, I'd sort of been following what other people had told me to follow rather than what what I really wanted deep down. I think it's very important to follow your passion, follow what you're good at rather than what other people recommend. And unfortunately, I was very susceptible when I was younger to what other people thought and whatever. Um, so I tried to fit the pattern of what everybody else wanted, but it, it really wasn't me. Um, and I struggled in my second year, particularly at Kent University, because I ended up very far away from the campus and whatever, and it took me ages to get there. And 
um, I would do the other five or six in the in the same house and they were very noisy and always having parties and whatever and I just wanted to study and concentrate and whatever and it kind of went went against who I was and whatever so I found it really hard and I had a boyfriend at the time who was in France and, and we were seeing each other every three months and whatever so that was difficult as well so so yeah I did I did have a, a bit of a struggle um, on and off over the years uh, particularly sort of in my sort of teenage years but the early 20s more than anything yeah I had uh, I struggled for quite some time and I, I was in a marriage that um, didn't work out and I had to come out of and whatever so yeah there were a lot of a lot of issues before uh, Michaela came along anyway so yeah I felt like I'd failed her like you know because the, the school the hospital everyone had let me down everyone that I counted on and I'm like where's my support network and what have I you know what have I done have I put her in the right school you know am I counting on the right local hospital I mean what what you know what, where do I go what do I do you know I, I felt I really felt like I'd failed her um, and all that year had been a tricky year for me uh, for, for a variety of different reasons and that was kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back I went under um, and thank heavens that I've got the family that I've got although they're in Italy my parents came over and nursed me back to health and got me out of that hospital um, and, uh, and helped me see the light and then I started to um, go and attend local groups like Dorset Mind and whatever um, to, to speak to other people in similar situations and, and try and, and get myself out of there. Because for me, it was all about getting off the medication and just talking through stuff and really sort of, you know, confronting myself with other people who'd been in similar situations and and, and getting that support and f having that support network around me so that even when my parents went back to Italy, I was able to then stand on my own two feet again. It was really important that 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 I that I take care of myself, that I that I have that self care, and that I learn to say no, because I was always saying yes to everybody, and 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 I couldn't do it. And you know, you can't give and you can't pour from an empty pot. You know, you can't you know give from a, a bank that hasn't got anything in it. You know, if you're emotionally and you know physically void. You, you can't you can't be there for anybody else if you haven't been there for yourself and you're not in the right place so you can give a lot more if you're in the right place yourself and you look after yourself so being you know being responsible for your self-care is not selfish actually it's selfless because it enables you to then be there that bit more for everybody else who counts on you and, and it all falls apart if you can't be there because you know they they depend on you especially when you're a mother and you wear so many different hats and you're so many different things for different people um, so that was the key thing. You know, I, I, I thought very strongly of a friend of mine, you know, presented me with this image and it stuck with me. When you're on the plane, um, they say to you, you know, when the oxygen masks come down, put your own oxygen mask on before helping everybody else. They don't say put them on your children or whatever, because otherwise then you don't have the oxygen. So, yeah, you need to think about having your own oxygen mask on before you can help everybody else. So, yeah, that's a really strong image for me. And it's one that's that's helped me and I, I I'm much more aware of of saying no now and and stepping back when I can't or postponing things if or giving an alternative if I can't in that moment because I like to say yes I'm quite an empath and I like to support other people but I'm I'm quite sort of wary of of safeguarding my own self-care um first and foremost now 
basically um just just everything you know that the funding that's that's not there the the therapies that are, are lacking all this kind of stuff i've been fighting from day one um and we regularly have this problem with caseworkers in the uk where they regularly change the caseworker that's responsible for your child's educational health care plan and that becomes a problem because more often than not they don't meet your child they're writing about a child that they know nothing about and they're supposed to write you know the document that is actually you know responsible for your child's care until they're age 25 so it's quite an important document and more often than not they've not met your child they've not been at any meetings with your child and whatever um, and they change regularly so that you know there's the continuity sadly lacking and 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 your child just becomes a number in the system so you're fighting to make sure that your child is recognized and that the document is appropriately worded as if it's the child themselves because the, the whole transition from statement to educational health care plan was made so that the plan itself would actually be worded you know as as if it was the child and it's personal to the child so it has to have that wording whatever so again i you know i fought that battle as well to try and get the correct wording whatever and i'm still fighting it really because michaela's not getting enough of the occupational therapy and, and stuff that she needs to be able to get to the speech therapy so you know there is all of that and it's all filling filling these gaps and and being on the system 24 7 basically to you know, follow up and chase and, and, and be that mediator, because sometimes people don't even correspond, you know, talk to each other in the same office. This becomes a problem. You have to sort of put it all together. And I'm doing this not just for myself, but for other parents so that parents don't have to fight as much in years to come as we have. And hopefully there will be in time more funding and more therapies available, whatever, but also through us um, to, to make that difference and, and also raise that valuable awareness that, you know, these people are individuals just like us and they deserve to be respected and valued and included just like we are because a life is a life and they have human rights and, and you know, rights to respect uh, just like we do. Um, and, and it's important. And this, this advocacy um, helps me to face the day to day because there's so much that's unknown still with Michaela. So this helps me feel like I'm doing something about it and that I'm going to be able to make a difference to her legacy and the legacy of differently able children in the future. Um, so it helps me and it empowers me in some way um, and it makes me feel better on a mental level as well. Well, for me, it's all about diversity and inclusion. And these children, you know, they're not included enough in the system and whatever. Obviously, they are in a school, you know, if they're in a special school and whatever, that they're, they're given that. But you know, again, because of the lack of funding, because of the lack of therapists and whatever, you know, we have to push for these things and we have to fight for these things. And then, you know, there's there's more of sort of wanting that that acceptance and that inclusion more in society, in playgroups and, and other activities and in future jobs. And, you know, so that there is um, more of that available for them in the future, because otherwise, you know, that where are they going to go? You know, we, we want their voices to be heard. So it's all about getting their voice heard, getting it out there and getting them included and getting them those human rights that they deserve. I mean, in recent um, months, the um, Down syndrome bill was passed uh, so that they will have more of a voice in the future um, and that they will be better heard and, and, and respected in the future. And I very much hope that that will be the case. And it's constantly being developed and evolved. But, you know, we're, we're trying to move forward into all these things so that there is and it's not just about down syndrome obviously Michaela has down syndrome so it is about that but it's about different ability per se um, autism you know whatever different ability they have being recognized for who they are and, um, and what they deserve and we have a live blog on our website as well 
which is all about um, different challenges that people have overcome, whatever, whether it is from mental health or different ability or, you know, homelessness or cyberbullying or alcoholism, you know, anything major that anyone has overcome, we've put it on there as a positive story, as a positive outcome um, for people to connect with. And people have found this hugely um, beneficial, especially through the pandemic, when people want to hear positive news. And that's that's gone from strength to strength and that's being re- regularly developed. And we've got all our podcasts there in the podcast section, all the podcasts that we've done on the radio and whatever. And this interview will go on there as well. So, you know, we've got all that and that's, that's a wealth of, of knowledge and information. And it's a debate in real time that people can share um, what they've been through and uh, and show that anything can be overcome with a little bit of positive mindset. So um, that's, that's you know, a lot about mental health, really. To go beyond the show, be sure to connect with us on all social media platforms at No Stigmas. And you can always reach out at nostigmas.org to connect with us and see how we can team up together to champion mental health equity for all. Remember, to break these stigmas, we must be unsilent. We'll see you next time.